Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. All right, we're going to be in the book of James chapter 1. By the way, if you're new uh, to the Bible and you're like, oh, I don't know, where should I read? There's four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the stories of Jesus. That's at the beginning of the New Testament. There's the Old Testament, which is before Jesus, and there's the New Testament after that. But another book, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you've never read the book of James, it's a great, it's a short book, but really simple read, super applicable to life. life. So we're going to be in the book of James chapter 1. Opening thought, my guess is if you interact with computers much, you get uh, screens that come up like this, which are basically saying, hey, you need to upgrade your system. You get those? on your laptop or your, and uh, so I get that on my laptop. Another one that I get is uh, for my phone every so often. By the way, it feels like on my phone it comes up a lot. Like, I'm waiting for Siri to say, hey, stupid, update me. Does it, because it pops up and, so here's the question. Are you an updater or are you a non-updater? All right, how many of you, you've got automatic updates on your phone and stuff, you're just updaters? Okay, how many of you are like, if it's not broken, I'm not gonna fix it? So you don't update, that was a pretty even split. So don't hate me, IT people are like, so you're the problem, sorry, because I, I tend to like, I'm not gonna update that. I just figured this program out, I'm, I don't need you to, uh, so. Uh, anyway, quick, uh, idea that I would submit to you. There are some things in life that don't need uh, a new system. Example, Diet Coke is fine just the way it is. <laughs> or whatever your preferred... You ever come... Oh, this is a tangent. But have you ever observed and they say, oh no, we're going to make Coke new and improved. Did those ever work? Or mostly not, okay, because you like Coke, don't mess with Coke. Or, uh, or uh, my grandmother's apple pie recipe. Don't redo that. Just eat it the way it is. There's stuff that's good the way, don't mess with that. It doesn't need an update. And where we're going to head today is the reality that God, you ready? God never has needed or will ever need an update to who he is. And by the way, that's a good thing. Malachi 3.6. It's a good thing that God doesn't change, shift. Oh, wait, needs to... It says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob's, are not destroyed. In other words... Simplified. No, it's really good that I don't change. I'm so glad that we don't serve a fickle God who can't be trusted on Tuesday because you never know what he'll think on Friday. That would be horrible, by the way. Some of us have lived with human beings that tend toward fickleness and it becomes really, you become apprehensive because I'm just not sure what they're going to do today. That's a horrible place to live. God's not like that. 
Numbers 23, 19. It's an Old Testament book, and it says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Another translation says that, that he should repent. God's never had to repent, which is a, which repentance is an understanding of I was doing something wrong and I should make a change. God's never felt that or ever should have ever felt that, ever. A Bible verse about Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh, says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's interesting, the next verse, so it's connected, it says, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. And I think that's connected to the idea of a strange teaching would include something that would imply that Jesus is not the same. Oh no, Jesus has changed. Uh, Does that make sense? And we, here's the problem with that. We run a risk whenever we think, oh no, no, God's different now. He's changed now. He's not the creator of all things because we figured out that evolution did that. Or or he, here's the problem. Here's the problem. If If we start to believe that God needs to change or has changed, what happens is we end up creating our own image of God, which a Bible word for that is called idolatry. We're just making it up. Well, I don't know. I think he's this way, or I think he should be this way. We make it up. Here's the problem with idolatry. Psalm 115. It's talking about idols. And it says, but their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. And here's the problem. It says they have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see, ears but cannot hear, hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk. Basically, they are powerless, no help. Does that make sense? It's just this figment of our imagination. I'm so grateful that we have a God who is unchanging, he's clear, and he's real. Don't get duped into some fabrication of our imagination of what this thing is. Man, I need a real God in my life, one who can speak and can bring power to situations and does really love me and will correct me. That's what we, I need, and you do too. We need that. To hold that thought, those thoughts, we're for the next five or six weeks going to do a series called Unchanging Our Yesterday, Today, and Forever God. And we're going to explore some of these core characteristics of who God is. The hope is that we'll know him well and also that we would just experience him more. Uh, So today we're going to look at a verse in James it contains our theme verse, and I don't really don't need to introduce much before the verse. It's Bible verse, and let's read it. James 1.16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he 
created. It's just a couple of verses. Let's read it again. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. That's a reference to God, who does not change like shifting shadows. Yay. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So again, the series is unchanging. Our yesterday, today, and forever God. I'm going to look at a couple, uh, I would submit to you, wonderful characteristics of our unchanging God. Let's pray. Uh, we invite, not just today, but over the next several weeks, to, to, I can just imagine, Lord, you building a solid foundation under each of us. And for those of us that have some solidness to our foundation, like an even greater, solid, unchanging foundation for life because we will know well who you are. Help us today and through these next weeks. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, side note, before I, before I jump into this talk, next week, I'm gonna be talking about the unchanging love of God. And from what I can see as I'm working on that, it will be a talk that is applicable and accessible to anyone you bring to church next week. I really try to make this a place where you could bring your friend and they would go, oh, I kind of get that, okay? Next week, we'll talk about the amazing, unchanging love of God. This week, it's not going to be any good, but next week, you should bring <laughs> a bunch of people to church. Sorry, Corey. <laughs> Because I'll really try next week. This week I didn't try. But next week I'm really going to try. <laughs> Two characteristics of God. We've got to go quickly. Um, the first one is this. Is God is inherently amazing. Amazing. And I wish we had a better word, even better word than amazing. Getting this from the part of the verse where it says, don't be deceived. your brother." It says every, and it says good and perfect gift. God is the source of good and perfect gifts. So, uh, by the way, in the Bible, if you read words like good and perfect, you can trust that that's what it's trying to say. But sometimes you can look at the meaning of those words and it gives it a little more color. And so, good, the word for good is intrinsically good. It's good in nature. And this word for good is the widest of all words with this meaning. So it is a very broad stroke, like God is good, all that you would see on the horizon. Like, well, here's God, then you go, wow, it's all broad and good. The next word is perfect, and that includes perfect and complete in all its parts. So here's a quick, it's like if you, if you could see God, you would go, whoa, it's all good. And if you would analyze the details of him, you would also go, and every little part is perfect, without flaw. So I was trying to think of how does this relate or illustrate in real life, and I thought of a newer term culturally, at least I think it's newer, it's the greatest of all times, it's the goat, right? Have you heard these, right? It's a newer thing. So here's like an example of like goat is the greatest of all times. A lot of times, I think it's connected to sports figures. By the way, who's the greatest of all time in basketball? We're not going to fight about it because some people like. <laughs> but, right? 
The first person that I remember hearing the term goat associated with was Simone Biles. Because a couple years ago, especially when she was like in the Olympics or something, I must have been watching and they referred to her as the goat. I still remember thinking, that's not, that's not nice. Why, what are, because I was just dumb. I'm like, what are we, and then I figured it out. Because basically, she was uh, so, I think she was so good that even in that contest, most everybody was like, just give her the gold medal now because she's going to win. She was that amazing compared to everybody else. Uh, Another one I thought of was Michael Phelps, the swimmer, who's going to need a chiropractor if he walks around with all those medals. But uh, most of us know of him. Now, I also was trying to give a definition of this, how do you become the greatest of all time? So we'll put up Michael Phelps again. Here's what I think. Basically, there's this inherent potential, these God-given gifts placed in a person, and you add that to, like, uh, them and coaches fully developing those characteristics, right? You don't just have potential, you also put the work into it. So this might be a little bit of a tangent, but I remember reading an article, so I looked it up again. These are just characteristics that are inherent in Michael Phelps that added to his ability to become the greatest of all times. Did you know this? His wingspan is three inches longer than normal. So he's 6'4", but, and typically if you're six foot tall, you have a six foot wingspan. His, he's 6'4", but his wingspan is six foot seven. He's three inches longer. By the way, that helps if you're a swimmer, apparently. His feet are size 14, that's not bad. And he has double jointed ankles that flex 15, scientists have studied him. His, his ankles flex 15% more than normal human beings. So he has flip a feet somehow, more so than the rest of us. This was the biggest deal to me. Uh, they have figured out that his muscles, biology, produces half the lactic acid of typical swimmers, which is the stuff that makes you cramp up and can't go, right? Is that crazy? Those are just individual characteristics of who he is that helped him become, you know, the goat. So I was thinking about how unique then, like he is, and I was trying to think, my first thought was, well, see, that's the way God is. And then it was like the Lord said, nope, not quite. Because there is, even from those greatest of all times in human beings, there is this chasm between all of them and who God is. Because God never had to practice anything, ever, ever. Every one of his characteristics in every area of life is absolutely perfect. He he has never said, oops, or thought, whoops, ever. Does that make, like, I can't really comprehend this, but in in theory you think, what is that even like to have never, we we had the Bible verse earlier, he's never had to repent because he made a mistake because everything he does is good and perfect. So here's fill in the blank for you. God is the goat of all goats 
plus more goatness. I don't know. Next week's talk will be way better. But now I'm building it up. Next week will probably be horrible. God is the goat of all goats. And then add some more goatness. Okay. Oh, gosh. Every detail is perfect. I thought of it another way this way, just to try to fix. So the, in creation, all the planets of the universe, it's not like even one of them every six years in their rotation scrapes against another one. Because Does that make sense? Now, by the, by the way, scientists study these things, but there's no way we could ever make this happen. How do you put all that stuff swirling in the air, in the atmosphere, and we say, well, it's gravitation? Right. And I believe that's true. How in the world do you do that in a perfect way so that all this stuff, it's nuts amazing who God is. Even in the creation of us and human beings, before sin entered the picture, we were going to be perfect, sinless, never die, never have a cold, never get sick. It's how he creates things. It's perfect. Unchanging. He's always been this way. In Mark chapter 5, there's a man who has a crippled hand. Jesus uh, enters the picture. He's got a, they call it a shriveled hand. We don't know what happened, but it's, you know, we can imagine what that is. We have a friend or something that has a body part that, you know, didn't work right or was damaged in an accident or something. And then it says when Jesus entered the picture and he says to the guy, he says, well, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was, I don't know that I noticed this before, his hand was completely, perfectly restored. So Jesus didn't have to say, oh, yeah, there you go. You might want to put some duct tape on that pinky because uh, I didn't quite get that right. Never. In John chapter 7, there were some soldiers. Their assignment was to go arrest Jesus. They went to arrest Jesus, and then they come back to whoever told them, go arrest Jesus. They come back without Jesus, which I'm sure the people are like, what the heck? We told you you had one assignment, soldiers. They come walking back. They don't have Jesus. And then here's, here's what they said to the people. No one, emphasize that, no one ever spoke the way this guy does. He was so perfect in his speech. Every word he ever spoke was exactly the right word. I just, I love that picture of the soldiers coming back and them going, where the heck is, and paraphrasing, where is he? I don't know, but gee whiz, you should have heard this guy talk. <laughs> Amazing, perfect. God's the greatest of all times in forgiveness. When Jesus was on the cross, we looked at this not too long ago. When Jesus was on the cross, and he's paying for the forgiveness of the world, and yet he still says to these people, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And I'm like, he wouldn't even have had to say that. He was paying for all the sin, but he's still exemplifying ultimate, perfect forgiveness that even in the worst moment ever, he's like, oh, God, have grace for these people. So, where's an application out of this idea of God's unchanging goodness and perfection? Here's where I landed. 
you can fill in this blank of this question. It might be a little bit of a hard shift. Have I yielded myself to the perfection of God? This is where I think we should go. If God is all perfect, which he is, he's unchangingly good, we would do well to enter his presence again and again and again and again with a sense of yieldedness, not saying, hey, God, if you could do this and it looks like you missed something here, we should just be coming into his perfection and saying, Father, all you are, you're in charge. Just, will you just rub off on me? It's a different posture, I think, that we would benefit. It's not bad to come in to, to enter God's presence and have prayer requests. That's, you know, do spiritual warfare. Pray for But I think we would do well to increase going in and saying, it's just me, Lord, imperfect, Mark, not good to the core, Mark. Could we be together? Uh, if you saw the, if you paid attention during the video announcements and Catherine was describing how she used to suffer from se- severe anxiety and now she's practicing the presence of God and now she doesn't anymore? You see what I mean? We should be taking advantage of this access to absolutely good, absolutely perfect. Oh, one last thing with this one. Boy, I'm running out of time. This is a little bit of a tangent, um, but the, uh, we sing a song around here sometimes that has a chorus, your goodness is running after, it's running after me, right? Remember that one, your good, he's running, here's the, here's the, stop, running, you, quit it, your goodness is running after me, sit your butt down. And stop making him run after you. That's a tangent. Sit your butt down. Right? I think there are times God probably is like, sit down, Mark. I'm, yes, I'm running after you, but you would be smart to quit running. Away. Okay, never mind. Our unchanging God is inherently amazing. One more. He is uh, unchanging God is reproductive by nature. Not a great fill in the blank. But in the verse 18... It says he chose to give us birth. So we're going to focus on that. Give us birth. That word to give us birth, it means to bring forth a child. It's a medical term marking the close of pregnancy. Right? And then birth happens. So I was thinking about that. Some of you have been in a uh, a delivery room. Not to get all... Don't really want to imagine all those things. A lot of pushing, a lot of pain, a lot of anxiety, a lot of that stuff. Um, and then baby comes, right? The, preg- the, the, the pregnancy is coming to a close, and the baby is there. And then at some point, you know, they give the baby to the mom. Or I personally remember with our three kids, especially the first one, uh, when they... We were getting ready to leave the hospital, and they said, here's your baby. And you know a thought that didn't come to my mind? Well, it's all over now. Pregnancy's over. (laughs) Does that make sense? Like, and the pregnancy's over. Never entered my mind at all. Do you know what came to my mind is, oh, my. (laughs) The pregnancy may be over. We got a big old honking project. 
that just came into our life. Does that make sense? Pregnancy over. Oh, yay. Oh, no. This is going to be a new season of challenge. And I want to end our time talking about the reality that our unchanging God is not afraid and consistently. You know what he'll bring into your life? Big honking challenges that in the moment will seem like, wow, this might be hard. But by the way, long term, it's the best thing for your life. It's the greatest opportunity. But in the moment, it feels like he's birthing something like this is going to be difficult. So here's the idea you can write down. God is the initiator, unchanging. This is who he is. We're wrong if we ever think God is just sitting around trying to come up with just easy things for our life. By the way, that's not the way life gets great. Life does not get great by thinking, well, what's the easiest thing to do? No way that'll work out for you. God's the initiator of major life projects. Big things. And especially those of us that have walked with God longer, we realize mostly they seem huge in the moment. Afterwards, we realize, boy, that was a great thing. Man with a shriveled hand. It says, right, his hand doesn't work. Jesus says to him, here's the verse, God's intention is to, make, is to fix that. But he says, get up and stand in front of everyone. If you're the guy with the hand, even if you weren't the guy with the hand, if somebody says, here's your assignment, get up and stand in front of everyone, most would be like, no, no, that sounds hard. I don't want to do that. Does that make sense? Then you add to it, and I'm, I like to be in the background because of my hand. And then Jesus said to this guy, here's his assignment. Stretch out your hand. Are you, no, I've, I've spent my whole life hiding this. But if he doesn't stretch it out, he doesn't get where God wants him to be. It's hard in the moment, but oh, there's so much benefit. If you'll press through the, the challenge of it. God is unchanging, and he brings challenge By the way, he's still good and perfect, and he's going to bring challenges that are going to be the best for us. In Matthew 10, we've looked at this before, his assignment to his closest followers, here's their little assignment for the day, heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons. Have fun, you guys. Go at it. And he goes on to say, don't don't get any gold or silver or copper to take with you. In other words, yeah, you don't need money. I'll figure it out for you. Don't even take an extra shirt or sandals or a staff. You see that that's a huge assignment? And I was thinking so many of the assignments of our God, our unchanging God, are especially initially challenging. How many of you I know a lot of you have heard of tithing. How many of you have tithed? You tithe. You give 10% of what you have back to God. If you want to look at Malachi chapter 3, that's the principle there. I still remember when a mentor of mine, after I became a Christian, he introduced the idea of tithing. And, and I knew I could do math back then. Can't now. But I can do math. And I'm like, okay, 10% of what God gives me is actually his. So I should give that back. I'm like, cool. Until I did the math. And I went, that's huge. Are you kidding me? I didn't have a bill that big in my life. I was 20 years old. I was making a couple hundred dollars a week. I'd get paid every other, every other week. So I'd make, my check would be 400 bucks. And I still remember doing the math and thinking, that's a ton of money. And the first time, some of you heard it, the first time the offering plate went past me at the church. By the way, and I was committed. 
Jesus has saved me. I'm like, I'll do anything for you, God. And I had two $20 bills, and here came the plate. And I took two 20s, and I put, one, I put them both in, and then I pulled one back out, and I put it in my pocket. Because I'm like, no way you can be asking me to do that. And the next week or two weeks later, I probably did it right. Because it seems so hard at the time. And we're just trying to help us or remind us, God is a God who is not afraid to bring challenges into our life. And if we think he is anything other than that, we misunderstand who he is. Tithing, morally, God says, don't have sex unless you're married. Some people are like, what? Yeah. And God's not afraid to command that of us. By the way, it's, it's for our good. Pray for your enemies. See, here's the problem, challenge, that needs corrected in church. A lot of times, we hear the command and then we dismiss it. And we go, well, no, that's not what he means. Oh, yeah, that's what he means. Someone strikes you on one cheek, let him hit you again. That sounds hard. Honor your parents. No, your parents. Like for me the other day, one of the Ten Commandments is don't covet. I'm like, but Facebook Marketplace. Because <laughs> I have a coveting problem. And I'm like, but God, that's hard. Because it's so much fun to look at things I don't need and waste my life going, oh, I think I need that. And he really's getting all up in my grill. And I'm like, that will be hard for me not to covet. And he's like, yeah, so? Quit wasting your life wishing for things that you don't have when you really have everything you would ever need. Does that make sense? Like, those little things. All right, got to finish this up. Here we go. Do I believe God is still asking for big things? He is. Part of who he is. And I, I would I want to say beg you. Don't dismiss when God asks you to do one of those challenging things. He knows what he's doing. And then the last question is: what big ask is in front of me? Do it. He says, Well, no, I want you to pray for your kids every day. Oh, I don't know, that sounds hard. Do it. I want, to, I want you to love that neighbor. I want you to pray. I want you to put this on your calendar. I want, to get you, I want you to get that off of your calendar. Well, that'll be hard. Just do it. He's good. He's perfect. You can trust him. We will be better off saying, hey, Lord, you're the good and perfect God. You rub off on me. Why don't you stand? We'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.